This is the Sports Divided Podcast. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat. Second two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. To the net, over. Patrick Kane has scored the goal. What a ride. The Cardinals are world champs in 2011. The Cubs win the World Series. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. Welcome back to the Sports Divided Podcast. Today is Sunday, May 31st. We're joined tonight by Dave, Keith, Matt, and I'm your host, Rick. Well, guys, uh, the NHL is back uh, in principle. Hopefully nothing, you know, has a little setback, but they have uh, the Players Association and the owners have come to terms on a way to bring the NHL back uh, in an unprecedented 24 team, I guess you say playoff. They're not calling the first round playoffs. They're calling them qualifying rounds, but it's a it's a bracket. So we'll just we'll call it a playoff bracket for all intents and purposes. So that vote happened for the teams was 29 to two was the votes. The two teams that voted against this were the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have not said why. Um, and the other team that voted against us is the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes voted against it because they're the number six team and the New York Rangers are the number 11 seed. So that means they're playing each other. And Carolina um, was 0-4 against the Rangers this year with a, <laughs> a negative uh, – I believe the stat was a negative seven goals against when they, when it came to playing them. So they were – you know, they came out and said, yeah, we're doing this just for our personal gain. We just don't like the matchup. Um, but if that's what happens, we'll gladly play. So those were the only two negative votes. Um, they're only taking 24 teams. So that means seven teams are left out. Um, those seven instantly go into the draft lottery. So we'll get into the draft lottery stuff here in a little bit. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on just the 24 teams? We'll get into the dynamics of the playoffs here in a little bit, but what about the 24 teams and just the fact that we might have live sports come? Uh, the earliest training camp would start, they're saying, is July 10th. So, well, I think the biggest thing for me, is, as a lifelong hockey fan, and when you were young, listening to the fact that there were you know 20,000 hockey fans in Chicago, and that's all there was, and you know, it was very dedicated, but it didn't go – it wasn't a major sport. For hockey to lead the way out of all this and be the first one to get this settled, get it done, get the players somewhat in agreement, get the owners somewhat in agreement. I I mean, to me, if you listen, there's more hockey talk on the radio right now than there usually is. I mean, there, there's no question about it, and I think that's a, a huge badge for them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Uh you know, for what it's for what it's worth, but uh, you know, uh, hockey has taken its shots through the years, no pun intended. And uh, um, yeah, this uh, especially compared to uh, baseball and the mess that uh, they've created for themselves. Um, oh. 
what what I, I do like about this is that, uh, uh, you know, you can quibble if you're the 13th team, but, uh, you know, this seems to be a very fair way of, uh, you know, you could have just set up top eight each uh, conference, bam, you know, but uh, this uh, gives uh, a few more teams a, a shot. And then also, we talked about this last week, the um, uh, uh, games between the top four in each conference so that uh, they're not just sitting idly by while the other teams uh, get some games under their belt. So, uh, yeah, it, it seems like a pretty fair uh, uh, format, uh, given the circumstances. Yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's very well thought out, you know, and, it, and it's just wonderful that the Blackhawks happen to sneak in. So, <laughs> going to have some relevant hockey here in Chicago. And I, I think, I just think the league in general knows, every league, whoever it can, you know, whatever one can get started up first, their ratings are just going to be through the roof. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what advertisement dollars, I don't know how that's all going to work out for, for, you know, getting some sort of, uh, you know, making some money off this season that's been for the most part, you know, lost here towards the end. But, uh, I think that's, that's kind of a driving factor just to get back up so we can get some viewers, get some dollars, revenue dollars coming back in. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. It's great that they were able to pull together without too much hoopla, like what, he said with baseball, it's just, you know, it does not look good. <laughs> I, I think baseball's watched, lost track, at least some of their players have. Yeah. The fact they're in the entertainment business. Yeah. Somehow they're viewing the game is more important than you know, what they're here to, to be. These are entertainment uh, uh, groups. And I think hockey figured that out a little sooner. And, and yeah, it's a real bonus to have the Blackhawks in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you look at, they didn't have to jerry-rig a whole lot to get three original six teams in. And why is it? You're going to generate huge TV revenues in those cities yep. at, at that point. Even if all three of them lose, you lost nothing in, 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 mm-hmm. in, the, mean, in the meantime. You know, that's there. And my guess is I bet you at least one of them pulls an upset. That's there. Oh, yeah. No. You've got, you know, so you're, you're giving the fans what, what they want. It's, it's, it's entertainment. That's, that's, why you're, that's why you do what you do. There's no higher calling to play baseball than any other sport or anything else it's it's you know, it's, you know like Ernie or somebody said it's a game but we are entertained by it and I think this is you know the money in baseball has become has become so large I, I think the division's been clouded a little bit well it doesn't help with uh Scott Boris coming out and basically telling players to stand stand tall you know and, and not give in to the owner's demands, which. Well, and, yeah, and that, that's a good point. I mean, you know, these, these are, <laughs> these are obviously not normal times. And, uh, uh, you, you know, you have, now they do have negotiations coming up anyway, uh, but this is not those negotiations. And I know there's a lot of posturing, but they, they really, I know it's pie in the sky stuff, but they really need to put this stuff uh, aside. And uh, like Dave says, realize uh, they're here to entertain. And if you ain't on the field, you're not entertaining anybody. You know, and they're certainly not entertaining anybody with all this uh, crap going on, uh, trying to fight over, you know, every last uh, dollar. Yeah. For a league that, since their current commissioner stepped into office, has had three shutdowns because of unable to uh, see eye to eye with the Players Association, it is kind of, you know, it's unique that they're the first ones to have it, you know, after having three lockouts, losing a whole season and having two shortened seasons. 
I think something that helps them as opposed to baseball, though, is the players got all but one regular season paycheck before Corona hit. So they got all their money and, you know, which is the big thing for the MLB players is, okay, they want a 50-50 split. Like Max Scherzer said, he goes, all we want then, if they want to do a 50-50 split of revenue, show us every single dollar you make as an owner. They just don't trust each other. Or they don't trust the owners, I should say, as players. Um, but I don't know. I'm just happy, yeah, that NHL was the first. And it seems like everything the NHL has been doing and saying – the NBA finally is the one that's copying instead of the NBA does it and then the NHL does it, you know, like. Speaking of the NBA, what is the NBA? I haven't seen anything about the NBA. What they, haven't, they, they haven't said whether they're finishing out the regular season or anything. Just um, crickets. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Cause they're now talking. We, I know a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the NHL could, and I think personally should change their schedule to start in, you know, around Thanksgiving and go through the summer and now all of a sudden the NBA is talking about oh their opening day could be Christmas from going forward so they can own August and September and it's kind of like the same idea that the NHL was floating out there two months ago or a month ago well I think they figured out football owns that period of time I mean whether it be college yeah or when the season really owns that time yeah, you know, when the season starts in October for both of them, you know, it's like, okay, you're in the meat of college football and the NFL is two or three weeks in and you have postseason baseball. Unless you're in a city that has a team that is a legitimate cup contender from the drop of the puck in preseason, your fan base isn't exactly that energized about your first 10 games of the regular season. And and really, if you think about it, I mean, in some respects, people don't get interested in the NBA and NHL season until after the holidays. Yeah. You know, well, kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. They're playing. Especially the NBA. I think Christmas Day is the time where it finally mm-hmm. starts, you know. And yeah. for, like, me, a diehard hockey fan, I obviously am paying attention from day one. But I think the casual observer doesn't really pay attention to the NHL too much until the Winter Classic and then beyond. I would agree. Yeah, I think that's Right, Matt. No, yeah, I was, I would agree, I agree with that 100. Yeah, NBA things don't really start. You know, I, a lot of people view Christmas Day as like the, you know, one of the biggest NBA days. It's just like a, you know, tradition to watch NBA on on Christmas, and that's where it really starts to get heavy into the season. Um, and to your point exactly with the uh, the Winter Classic, I know that's like a huge thing for everybody. And they're like, oh yeah, hockey's so fun. Let's actually start watching now. You know. <laughs> Well, that's, that's like when event that gets people geared up. You know, that yeah. are hockey fans. It's not until after that that NBC starts having Sunday games yeah. uh, in the afternoon. You know, they it's that's when they finally pick it up too. Obviously, after football ends and stuff. But you know, yeah, but I can speak for y'all being here, where you had the Hawks in there, nice run and stuff like that. But when the Cubs were in it and the Hawks were in it, yeah, y'all always the, the the thing was. I'll catch up with the Hawks in a couple of weeks or whatever. You, you pay enough attention to make sure they're winning and something bad hasn't happened. Yeah. Your focus is still over here. Or if your college football team is winning and all that other stuff, because those seasons are coming to an end. So it's a little more critical, you know, to pay attention to that. You know, And when the Bulls had their run, it was the same thing. You know, you, you watched everything else and 
he just made sure they didn't stumble too badly or something. You pick them up when everything else ends. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of cities have, have, you know, four or five teams. I mean, yeah. Well, not us here in St. Louis, but, you know, we're, we're working <laughs> our way up. Yeah, yeah. XFL will come back. We'll have the Hawk, the Battle Hawks again, yeah. hopefully. And then the MLS, whenever they figure their stuff out here and for 2022. We have we'll, the bandwagons we'll up here. Always welcome. <laughs> we'll be, we'll be a four, four major sports city again. Maybe we'll bring back the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I forgot about the XFL. That was they were really riding high there for a while until so this well, all especially St. Louis. St. Louis, yeah, Louis. So they sold the twenty the twenty thousand in like ten minutes for the first two games, and then their mm -hmm. third home game was going to be that Saturday after they mm -hmm. like the twenty first or whatever when Corona really hit and stuff shut down. Yeah. Um, they had sold the entire seventy four thousand seats, and they were playing in Los Angeles. So it would have it was going to be a packed dome uh, yeah. for an XFL game, like, <laughs> yeah. But on that note, the the XFL reached back out to the St. Louis Sports Commission and asked if they could still uphold the the lease agreement oh. for the next two years. Meaning they're looking to uh, revamp mm -hmm. it, and I think what they're going to do is they're going to revamp it with and just kind of tell uh, ESPN and. Fox weren't going to originally take the contracts with them if they didn't have the big markets of LA and New York. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to say, well, you saw what a success this is. So we're going to drop our two worst teams in LA and New York and add two other teams that are in, you know, markets that either strive to see football nonstop or you know, they're talking about like Ames, Iowa or Lincoln, Nebraska okay. and like Tulsa or, even nor uh, Oklahoma City. Kind of pull a big college towns in. Yeah, because yeah. by that, college is well over. So, you know, Seattle did well. They drew well. Tampa drew well. Dallas and Houston drew well. So. I'm, I'm, well, I'm kind of glad to hear that they're still around. I thought, I thought that was going to be the end of it, you know. Well, like, yeah, it's, it's not official, but the fact that they're asking and they're – Trying to figure it out, you're, you know, there's at least some light to maybe it will. Maybe it will, maybe it'll be two years from now again. But I should maybe think about uh, sooner than that because uh, I'm not convinced there's going to be a college football season. Yeah. You know? So very true. Well, speak, we'll go into the speaking of Corona before we talk about the actual playoffs. We'll talk about so the, the playoffs are going to be played in two hub cities. Um, they've listed out 10 possible cities. And it's not 100% that we're going to have an East City and a West City. Like, they'll be split, but it, it's not – it's a possibility that an Eastern Conference city is not one chosen. There's only three Eastern out of the seven, and though that is Columbus, Pittsburgh, and Toronto. And then the rest of the seven are Chicago, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minnesota, and Vancouver. Well, you know, if the players had their choice, they would definitely want to go to Columbus. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's a, you know, happening uh, place. Yeah. It's a Buckeye sweatshirt, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the league wouldn't have to worry about them uh, kind of going bonkers there. Yeah, which is one thing that, you know, there's a lot of speculation that Vegas is on this list because they've already decided that's where they're going to 
have the Stanley Cup Finals. That's, I don't know if we talked about that last week or a little bit. I think somewhere else. Yeah, that was that was what I was in my mind too. That it's most likely going to be Vegas for the. So you know, so I don't know what their guidelines were exactly because I know St. Louis put in a pitch and Bettman was asked by a St. Louis reporter why they weren't in it, and his response was, "Well, you know, with some of the health requirement guidelines around Corona, it just fell a little short." But then you look and Chicago's on the list. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, it might also be who's got more dollars to give out as a city. I'm sure that plays into it too. Um, yeah, what kind of incentives you're, you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Everything comes back to the almighty dollar. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, let's be real. There's, so there's two cities in Canada, like we kind of talked about last week. Or three cities in Canada. I don't think uh, the NHL will not pick one of those Canadian cities because TSN and Sportsnet and CBC and seven team owners will probably, you know, not be too happy with uh, what's going on if they don't have a host city. You know, looking at them, Edmonton's probably the most logical because it's out in the middle of nowhere and then north northwest part of Canada and not much is going on health-wise there and they're off in their own little bubble and can be happy and play hockey I don't think Toronto would be a good one and uh Vancouver I just don't see the draw in Vancouver for most teams because I don't know if Vancouver is even going to get out of the first round so yeah from a coronavirus standpoint uh you make a good point Edmonton would be a of these locations would be a, a logical location but that in mind i'm not so sure chicago is a great place for uh yeah i just uh, i don't know i mean obviously coronavirus aside if you're going to do something like that it'd be a, a great location but um yeah i just i don't uh edmonton seems like a good place um uh, like we were talking earlier, it ain't happening in Minnesota for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see it happening in LA either, just because California has been so strict with their coronavirus stuff. I mean, logically, I don't know why Raleigh isn't on this list. Nothing's really happening in North Carolina. That would have been a perfect place to put the East. Um, but then I guess maybe you'd look at everybody's favorite Columbus. That's another low-key city that uh, they have a lot of hotels downtown. And if worst case, they put them even in the dorms at Ohio State. And mm-hmm. Well, that would go over big. <laughs> yeah. That- <laughs> I mean, no, not really. But, like, I'm just saying there's, you know, there's a lot of hotels because of Ohio State around there that they – Maybe they're not the five-star hotels they're used to staying at, but they're mm. nice quality hotels that could manage or even Pittsburgh. I mean, you just got to think that Toronto's got to be out because it's so heavily populated. And yeah. I'm sure there's more going on with Corona than they well, know you there. I would think they'd want to, at all costs, avoid any setbacks. I mean, not that nobody's going to come down with the virus because, you know, somebody may here and there, but – that's why Edmonton, like you said, makes so much sense is that if they haven't had much to begin with, your odds of having a, an outbreak are probably very low at that point. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, the, the main thing is to have all your players ready to play. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, and the only the only thing they haven't fully come to terms with or have let out of the bag is what happens if somebody has it. Um, but they're going to be doing so. They're going to be testing the players and staff every single night when they come into the hotel after a practice, after a game, every night. They're getting tested. Um, blood test was it required? They haven't said if it's going to be the one where you touch Patrick Kane's brain or not. Um, every <laughs> single day, they haven't decided, or they just maybe haven't said. Um, well, there is a there is a saliva test as well that uh, you know is uh, you know um, if not ready, almost ready, and uh, you know so so I mean there are different tests available that. Um, you know, some you can get a result in 15 minutes. Uh, others, uh, you know, uh, take longer than that. But uh, they certainly would have the uh, capability to to do gotcha. daily daily testing. Yeah, it's and then so each team has their 23. They're talking about maybe letting them have 26, just because then you have three guys there. You know, to bring in if something happens type of thing and they've been quarantined the whole time and you know what they're doing exactly like also and then they're able to have up to 50 people total when it comes to their coaching staff and trainers and gm slash ownership so with their 26 players they get an extra 14 people or no 24 people so that's that's the guidelines they're putting in when it comes to uh, the hub cities and the expected numbers. I would expect them to read things Chicago at that point for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I, I just I think if you look at those cities, you bottom line is is uh, what's the situation with coronavirus in those cities? You know, it's kind of plain yeah. and simple. I mean, if you if you meet. Uh, because uh, I'm sure these teams wouldn't be on the list if they couldn't meet the requirements, uh, couldn't meet the needs when it comes to hotels and other accommodations, yeah. other uh, parts of you know, what they need logistically. So then, then it becomes a health issue. And, well, and that's uh, what originally they said about Minneapolis-St. Paul was there's not enough quality hotels around the rink. And then they still made the list. Big down, it's not a big downtown area. No. And then they still made the list. So that it just didn't make sense to me when it came to that. But I personally think Toronto, Los Angeles, and Chicago are left on that uh, the list just purely for the fact of big-name cities and hmm. attention and coverage. Yeah. You know, just – Create some buzz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're hmm. talking about it, and it's May, May 31st, and they're not even going to start training camp until at least July 10th. We're – a month and a half away and we're, you know, we're amped and granted we're a sports podcast with a couple of big hockey fans on it, you know, so <laughs> that helps, but Hey fans, I know you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. We're available everywhere. Podcasts are found. So when it comes to the actual uh, playoff style itself, we kind of had a little insight of speculation last week when we talked and then, when we released the podcast that day is when Bettman gave the spiel and confirmed pretty much kind of what we talked about. So you have the top four seeds, one through four, play a round robin for seeding. Um, that was 
those games are going to be handled like regular season games when it comes to overtime. So you have a three-on-three overtime and then a shootout. Um, and then five through 12, the matchups are – we'll talk about here in a little bit. But those playoffs, um, it's a best-of-five series, and it's like playoff overtime. So it's five-on-five, five, continuous 20 minutes until somebody scores. And, uh, you know, you might end up playing a best-of-seven anyways because of overtime. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun. Um, it's unique. Uh, it's going to be hockey all day, every day. So I'm in love with that as long as, as long as we don't have any setbacks, obviously, but a unique thing about it, Keith, you were talking about is you don't, we were talking about teams and how they cut it off. So they cut it off pretty well. Like between the 12th and 13th team in the West was a, five-point difference between the Hawks and Ducks. And then in the East, there was a four-point difference between the Canadians and Sabres. And everybody that made the playoffs was above 500. Everybody that missed it was below. Um, So they did pretty well. The biggest gripe that I think somebody could have is the Edmonton Oilers um, because they ended up playing a 71st, 71st game. They were the only game that Tuesday before the league shut down. Uh, and they lost, which lowered their percentage of points per game and took them out of the fourth spot in the conference to the fifth. <laughs> so uh, they went from being having a couple play-in games and ho- having technically, you know, last Bye. change yeah. to now having to play the Hawks in a best of five, and yeah. you never really know what can happen there. Well, the Hawks beat them two out of three during the season. Yeah. So, I mean uh, – <laughs> You don't know at that point. But, yeah, so I know we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but now that it's official, what do you guys think about, like, the actual format and the way they're going to go about having this this playoffs this year? I, I love it. I think it's great. I, like you said, games every day, uh, and it's, it's not, you know, for the top four teams, they still get to – you know, get on the ice, get some actual game time in rather than just practice and, and you know, wait for these other you know, the, the qualifying rounds to finish up. I think it's great. You know, more more sports, the better at this point. You know, give it to us everything you can and every day. I, I think yeah. there'll be some there'll be some upsets. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. And it's, you know, especially with players being a little bit rusty coming off. You don't know what teams are going to get hot, who's going to, yeah, come out of nowhere. So. Well, it's going to be fascinating. It really is because uh, the format, I, I think it's like what I said before, I think it's very very fair in that, uh, you know, if, for example, if they had just gone with eight teams um, or, uh, you know, the top four teams uh, in each conference, they get a break, you know, but they still get to play. Um you know, and then you uh, get those uh, additional four teams in each conference. So everybody's kind of getting a shot. So that that's fair. But the fascinating thing is, yeah, uh, how many how teams are, are they going to be rusty? Uh, who's going to get hot? Who's going to come out uh, uh, slow? Um, and and I, what I'm really interested in is just the uh, how the games go and with nobody in the stands. Yeah, who who can bring their own intensity well enough or – who relies on sitting in between the first and second period and being like, oh, the building's still buzzing. We got to get going here. And then, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> some, of those, some of those Blues wins last year, like, that could have been, you know, they come out and they don't have a great first period, and then all of a sudden they're at home and the building's still going crazy. Did that help them? Did that, you know, did that add to, like, the wearing down of, you know, whether it's the Jets or the Stars or the Sharks, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, you can tell yourself, you know, it's the NHL playoffs, NHL playoffs, and we all know what that intensity is like. But what is it going to be like with nobody in the stands? I mean, you know, I mean, it's essentially going to be a glorified scrimmage. Uh, you know, I mean, hearing uh, the echo of the puck and the sticks and, the, you know, every, every uh, uh, word of profanity. And, uh, okay. you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think, I think you change this completely and you mic them up and you almost have it like the golf matchup last week and just let it be for pure enjoyment yeah. and, great entertainment with great hockey because mm-hmm. I think you know some of those guys will struggle to get into the game but I think just that desire to win the cup and these guys being the ultimate pros that they are for the most part I think they'll be able to the hockey well, the, itself will be good the, the difference for me would be usually when the playoffs start after a regular season the game changes you know pretty quickly it becomes now a defensive game as opposed to an offensive game. And, and we all know if, if you play the game, it's, it takes a lot more effort, a lot more self-motivation to, play, to back check on every play and, and do, the, do the little things that you do in playoff hockey that you don't do you know, necessarily during the regular season. And like you said, it's good. how many of these guys are going to be self-motivated without fans you know, cheering you out? You, know, you make a good defensive play, especially if you're at home, and you get – you get rewarded from the fans by it in the playoffs for sure. Even if you make a great defensive play, your team knows it, but that's about it at that point. And, you know, that, that constant back checking itself, you know, the, you know, the Marion Hosa type play for every winger, not just, you know, one guy on a team. So it'll be interesting to see if they can all self-motivate themselves to do that. Well, yeah, I think that also, it'll also show, which teams are teams like when you're a good team you're doing it for the guys in the room nobody else mm-hmm. i think you know that that's the motivation you have um but so real quick we'll run down so the four eastern conference top four seeds that are playing in the round robin are the boston bruins tampa bay lightning washington capitals and philadelphia flyers so that leaves the rest of the east you have the 5-12 matchup of the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens. You then have 6-11, we already talked about, with Carolina and the Rangers. Um, 7-10 is the New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. And then the 8-9 matchup is the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then in the West, your top four teams are the St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. And then you got the matchups of the Oilers and Hawks at the 5-12. Nashville versus uh, Arizona. Vancouver versus Minnesota. And Calgary versus Winnipeg to round out those matchups. Um, Matt, I don't know if you saw this note, but I know one of your ugly logos, that uh, cartoon coyote. Arizona Coyotes have come out and said for all their home games when they're supposed to wear dark, they're going to be wearing those uh, – they're technically third jerseys, their heritage uh, 
cartoon coyote jerseys, so I can't wait to watch that because those jerseys are one of my favorites. That's funny. It was a split, right? Yeah, you loved it. I yeah much. <laughs> so we won't go into predictions. We'll cover that a little a little later. But just looking at those matchups, like they're going to be close. Like there's no, I don't know if any team five through 12 is really going to, I don't, I don't see any sweeps happening. That's for sure. It's a, it's a five game series. So, you know, a lot of these could go four and they'd be a lot closer than a three, one series. But the other thing, if you look, I mean, one thing about the NHL that's so different than, than most of the rest of the sports is, the vast majority of your teams are over over five hundred. In, in most sports, you know, it's almost an even split between over and under five hundred. In hockey, I mean, like you said, you got twenty four teams. Every one of them is over five hundred. So yeah. every one of them, at one time or another, played maybe a good stretch. Then say Montreal's right at five hundred. They're the lowest, right at it. So, so you, you know, they either had a good stretch or they had you know they whatever might you know lost a couple of close games that they could have won things that, but still. They're better than a 500 club. And, and, and to me, I always, you know, if I looked at, you know, especially, let's say, baseball, if you're better than 500, you're a dangerous club at that point. You, you know, it's, you know, if you're 20 games under, then, you know, you're looking at a sweep probably in, in something like this. You know, because you figure you have, even if you got lucky and won a game, you're not going to win a series and you're not moving on. A 500 team or a team that's above 500, uh, they were either, unless they were headed down at the time, anybody who was headed up or had just made a run, they probably think that they can play with almost anybody. Well, the NHL playoffs are always interesting anyway. Uh, I think the most interesting playoffs in all of sports because, uh, uh, and I think uh, we've talked about this before, I think Matt mentioned it, uh, in the NBA, eh, you know, you pretty much know there there aren't that many upsets in the NBA uh, yeah, baseball, you'll get your fair share, especially, and, and Dave says, like, if, if a team is hot, um, you know, that through the years in baseball, uh, those teams that are wild card teams and they get hot, uh, well, look at the Cardinals the one year. I was going to say on 11 when they're nine games back starting August. And, yeah, and they just get hot at the right time. Yeah. And uh, But in, in the NHL, I mean, you know, in a normal year, it's interesting. Uh, this is going to be really interesting because – nobody's nobody's going to be hot nobody's going to be cold uh you know um and so i, I think any of these matchups um in that uh, play in uh, bracket you know i mean it, you just toss them up i mean who knows uh it'd be interesting to see as we uh talk about when we talk about this next week uh, you know what we uh, come up with to, to piggyback on that too you know there's a lot of players that may have been hurt that are now not hurt Mm -hmm. yeah. that maybe we're being overused that are now tip-top shape or you know or maybe players that were in tip-top shape that are now rusty yeah mm -hmm. well there's a lot of variables that you know exactly <laughs> that point that was one I was going to make I know the Hawks have a couple guys but like for the Blues Tarasenko by the time training camp starts would have been out nine and a half months with just the separated shoulder so that could, he's going to be yeah. you know ready to go full peak, like it's almost next season type of thing mm -hmm. from just separated shoulder and adding that back into, a, you know, a 94-point team anyways. 
Yeah, but you know he'll pull a groin uh, first practice, so then he'll be done <laughs> for the summer. <laughs> but no, I mean that's why they say it's the hardest trophy in sports to win, right? It's because the, you know, especially now in five game series, Carey Price gets hot and steals two games, and then Montreal finds a way to win a third, and they knock off Pittsburgh. You know, or you know, I don't. See, this is the one time in hockey where I think it, more than any other time it stands out. Because usually in the playoffs, you have some grinder that really ends up being the guy to turn the series around for you. And that still could be true. But on this one, because it's so odd and you're starting where you're starting, like, jumping in on the deep end right off the bat, it's the – see, I, I think, and I'm hoping it's part, partially true, the guys that have been there a lot are going to understand that playoff hockey a lot more – I mean, you've got some teams that go, and I haven't taken a look at which ones are, are here, but yet to see. But a lot of them, you know, there's teams that haven't been in the playoffs for a while, or they've made it once in five years, they've done whatever, and, and some of those guys aren't even around anymore. Guys who have been around a long time, I think can turn, maybe be able to turn it on a little quicker than than, than somebody else. So you, I, I think your stars of this are going to be your your senior, your your, your really well-seasoned guys. So, you know, so you'll, you'll watch a guy like, you know, Crosby or somebody like that who could, you know, if he, stay, if he stays healthy long enough for the playoffs even, you know, could do some real damage to somebody because he's, he's just been there so often and it's, the game's not going to be too big for him. I mean, that's basically going to be the Hawks versus the Oilers in a nutshell, well, right? I know, I know what you're saying, but come on, you got 197 points between two guys. That's going to be tough to stop. How do they lose two out of three during the season? Uh, McDavid missed two of those games. I looked it up. You got it. That's why. I mean, that could be why. Not fully why, but. But it's easy. Sorry, hold on. I looked at that wrong. It was 207. I thought Dreisaitl had 100. He had 110 points. Yeah. 207 between two guys. But, again, they have. And the oldest one is – the oldest one's how old? Uh, Let's see. Dreisaitl. Dry Seidel's the oldest at, at 24. I'm just saying, it's, it, I, I look today and I look at somebody like Patrick Kane. He's a completely different player today than he was when he was 23 or 24. He was, he was dangerous, but he would also disappear mm-hmm. at times. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, just being perfectly honest, um, you know, it's – he didn't come to play every game. I don't. I don't think. You know. I think a lot of players are like that at that age. I think today, these guys are looking at. I've got three years left. I've got two years left. I've got you know whatever. Um, I, he's a much better player today than he was when he was twenty four. Let's put it that way. And just having played playoff hockey, having the experience, and you know, and like you said, even trying to get yourself amped up when there is no crowd, and knowing what it really means yeah. for players that haven't been there before. You know, maybe my, maybe the the lack of a crowd is they're going to take it not they're not going to not take it seriously, but maybe not as seriously. Maybe they, they know they have a lot more chances coming up. Like, I mean, would I rather not have right? Uh, you know, the, the two of them on, on the other side of the team. Yeah, absolutely, I'd rather not have them there. But that doesn't mean they're going to show up for both. You know, for both games. I mean, well, the only the only thing about it is they're really they're only two guys though too. So. If you wow. shut them down, so let's say you can get Duncan Keith, you know, with enough wind starting this off, 
You just have you just have to take over, you know, and, and then one or any and one of them. But who else? Is, I mean, he can't stop both of them. That's the thing. No, you take ball. one. You, you take one guy. You take one of them away. Make the other yeah. guy beat you. Well, you better take you better take McDavid away because if you take Dryside away, I think McDavid could beat you himself. I, I think you would be right. <laughs> but now I'm not, nobody, I'm can, a, nobody can even you know, skate with him. I'll probably put him on somebody else. But yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. We'll discuss. I, I, we'll we discuss have, that next time. You know, that all, you know, and yeah. take your chances at that point. You got one guy that's got to beat you. You got goal pulls. You got things like that. Are the Hawks going to win that series? Probably not. You know, do they have a shot? I think they have a shot. Well, Dave, because I think your point is well taken, uh, and whether it's the Hawks or, or uh, other teams, uh, you know, five-game series isn't a three-game series, but it's not a seven-game series. And uh, so, uh, you know, in a five-game series, it, you know, over the course of that, you know, it's not going to be the muckers and grinders necessarily that win the series for you. But you got a, uh, like you said, a Crosby or a Kane, um, you know, uh, other guys, especially in, you know, in these play-in series, uh, you could have one or two players uh, just uh, totally carry uh, their, their team. And, uh, or overtime. Over, there's a yeah. perfect example is overtime. So you look at a Kane or a Crosby, or if you you look at the game-winning goals these guys have and stuff, and when we get into the lineups and you you look at some of the, the players over a period of time in, in hockey, it's the it's the guys that play when when the big lights are on, you know that uh, that that make the big difference. You know, and again, you you've only got a handful of those players that can create on their own, you know, score on their own. I mean, basically go one on three and still score. I mean, yeah. type thing. And there's a handful, you know, that that's there. And if you get to you, you get to overtime at two two or three three, I don't want to be playing one of them. Well, and I think like the biggest thing for the Hawks because it is a short series is how big does that trade of Robin Leonard look now? Because if Crawford, I, I, I wish that trade had not happened. If Crawford has a bad game one. That series is it's a going to be over quick because you don't have any – you know what I mean? Like, if, Corey, if Corey gets – a bad game one, they'll, they'll, be, they'll get swept. Exactly. Corey, Corey is now – he's so much in his own head that it's, you know, he has a great game. Well, has, he still has some good streaks this year. And quite frankly, his save percentage was higher than Leonard's when Leonard left, which was surprising. Yeah, but I think I think some of that was – if watching the games was – Leonard got – it was kind of like the Jake Allen syndrome last year with Bennington. Bennington got a lot of these shots that were – they protected the house a little bit more. They were outside, and Allen and Leonard got left out to dry with some breakaways quite a bit. But, well, I'll tell you, Robin was better early in the season than he was later on. And yeah. They, well, I, the, the contract portion got to him. That's what and I think. He didn't lose his focus. He, mm-hmm. he did. He, he, mm-hmm. There's no question. He, he, early in the year – he was one of the top three, four goalies in the league. That is my opinion. Yeah. Now, by the time he left, uh, no, not at all. You know, so uh, you know, and, and Corey had some games better than him, and he had some games better than Corey. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge Crawford fan, but the fact that he's got two cups and the fact that he can play in the streak, yeah, he gets banged one time real good though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a major problem because there's no backup now. <laughs> I wouldn't trust uh, Malcolm Subban too much in the playoffs. The guys, uh, I, they're talking about he may never play for the Hawks. That's the big talk here. Is that 
you may not see him on the ice ever. You know, that's they're playing an actual game because they they don't suppose that they don't plan on keeping him. And so like that this was a they got some nineteen or twenty year old European goalie that again is you know a Dominic Hasek has been dominating and stuff like that. Will he do it here? Is he too young? Probably too young right now. But uh, Subban is not the goalie of the future. No. And I mean, not, they say he's not even the goalie next year if they let Crawford go. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't have thought so either. Like, that's why I just – I don't know what you – as looking forward as a Hawks organization. I, I, I think what, a lot of that was, was money involved and, and years left on contracts and stuff like it was not the player. They, they didn't go after the player. No, no, but it, I'm, it just in general, like, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, what's like, their plan? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of – like, they missed out last year on all the free agent goalies. There's not many free agent goalies coming up. You know, like, they're all – They haven't – free agent goalies haven't worked out that well for the Hawks, if you think back over the last 10 years. No, yeah, but again, yeah, though, and, so – And I, I think you've got to go get a young – Guy, or you got with the cap not moving. There's a couple of teams out there with two goalies, and you're you're. I think the Hawks' plan is going to get one of them. They, they, and you prefer the younger one if you if you can get them. But there's a few teams that have really really close battles with their goalies. But the Hawks not, they won't be able to pay both if they come up at the same time. But the Hawks don't have a lot of trade trade chips either to like send that way for a guy that's. A legitimate one A type of guy. Like I think, hey, I think what they're looking for is there who's the team that's got two goalies and, and both are free agents this year? Nobody, I don't think. I thought there was one. Um, I think I thought the only uh helped up. I have to go take a look again because I, I have a friend in Vancouver who told me he he had heard that the Hawks were going after. Oh, uh, are they going to go after Markstrom? Could be. He's a free agent, but I I don't think Markstrom uh, Markstrom. This is the first time in his career he's played the way he has. He's been a mediocre goalie at at best most of his career. Um, but again, a lot of goalies, you know, their 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 peak starts, you know, mid to mid to late twenties. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, very rare is that the Hall of Famer is the guy that starts. You know, like Brodeur or Ra or something like that. I mean, that's those are rare. I mean, you look at a Tony Esposito. I mean, he didn't even start a game until he's twenty six years old. You know that type of stuff. I mean, it's you know, a little later. Glenn Hall was how old when the Hawks got him? You know, he was you know he might, might have been quote unquote almost qualified for a rookie, but he was not a young guy. Yeah. Well, you know, I. So, I mean, there's nobody in the system that's gonna gonna take over if this this mysterious young guy in the in Europe is going to be fine. That's that's fine, but I don't think that's for tomorrow. I don't think it's next year. You know, maybe it's the year after. And I don't think Corey's going to take a one-year contract to stay here. I think, I think he will grab some money. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Montreal and take less money. Yeah, uh, he'll, he'll definitely be taking less money because I can't imagine anybody paying him a lot with his concussion history and. As well, I think he knows that. Yeah, of his career. Yeah, I, I was going to say. But, by the stadium there, so Montreal might be a guy that, or might wouldn't be. I don't think he'd go. It'd probably be Ottawa. I don't think Montreal is going to fork out any more money with Carey Price getting about eleven mil. 
you know. Yeah, that's, how, how can you? Yeah, 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 exactly. The cap, the cap is not going to go up. That that sure as hell because there's no revenue. Yeah, so some of the notable free agent goalies, um, Braden Holpe, uh, then you get into Corey Crawford, Jimmy Howard, Robin Leonard, uh, Craig Anderson, uh, Jakob Markstrom, Anton Kugudobin from Dallas, Mike Anderson Smith. Anderson was a hawk at one time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have Matt Murray, the two guys in Pittsburgh, Matt Murray, but he's a he's a restricted free agent, so that's going to cost you a lot because they can go to technically, you know, get them for dirt cheap or, you know, match whatever you have. And they have Yuri or yeah, it's like Jari. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. When you mentioned that's when I it was Pittsburgh that was yeah, but Jari has he's fallen off in the second half to where he's not going to be demanding any sort of money more than a mill or two like Murray will get also. You know, it's – they can probably afford it for one year. Then they'll probably lose one of those guys in the expansion draft. So, but – See, I, I, at least the good news is what I've seen and heard, they're not counting on signing Crawford, you know, to come back at, at this point. He's – he'll be playing – he'll be doing his last season unless he'd be willing to be a backup – Take less they, they, the Hawks just can't do that. Not with uh, their other the other contracts they have on the books. No, they just no. So yeah, they're well, again, you know, the big the big deal is if they if they're able to lose Seabrook off the books, and that's that's the huge deal there. Yeah, if they can, great. If they can't, they're still ham. They're they're gonna be hamstrung for another couple yeah. of years. No, mm-hmm. they'll just leave them on long term IR, and they'll just not affect the cap, and then they'll they'll give up a guy like. Nylander or uh, what's it, Borkstrom, the D-man, they'll, they'll sweeten the pot to Seattle. Hey, we'll give you this guy if you take Seabrook 7 mil off our hands at the expansion draft. It's, it's, isn't Seabrook 11 mil? I thought his contract – I think I think his cap Number hit. Number 7, but I think he's 11 mil at this point. Yeah. I'll look right now. I thought his cap hit. Look. Or is it 9? I don't think it's 7. I think it's more than that. Seabrook, his cap hit – this year was seven five. Let's see what next year's cap hit it. Because he's getting nine, but his cap is equally distributed over everything. So uh, his cap hit next year. His cap hit next year is six eight seven five. And then he's got a the buyout is uh five mil. And he's getting nine, right? Salary. No, no. Next year's salary, he's only getting what the cap hit is of six eight seven five. Also, okay. so this was the year that he was getting a little bit more than his cap hit. Yeah. Here at Sports Matter, we're powered by Meps Place, the gathering place. We'll get into the draft lottery now. The way they're talking about it. Um, yeah, I could use some help with this because I was trying to figure it out when I was reading it. So the first. There's going to be two. There is a possibility to have two separate drawings. The first drawing is going to be June 26th, where obviously the playoffs aren't going to be played. They're going to put balls in for a percentage of a certain a blank team. Um, so the seven that are for sure in the draft lottery are the Detroit Red Wings, Ottawa Senators, San Jose Sharks, Los Angeles Kings, Anaheim Ducks, New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabres, which happen to be the 
eighth organization ever to have missed nine straight NHL postseasons. So it's a rough. That's, time that's hard to do in the NHL. That yes. really is. <laughs> yeah. well, so I have I have the other I had this ready the other uh, organizations. So the Florida Panthers missed it ten straight years from ninety nine two thousand season to two thousand eleven twelve season. The Edmonton Oilers missed it 10 straight years from 2005-06 to 2016-17. The Colorado Rockies slash New Jersey Devils missed it for nine seasons between 77-78 season and 87-88 season. The Hurricanes missed it for nine years from 08-09 to 18-19. The California Golden Seals and Cleveland Barons Association organization missed it for eight straight from the inaugural season of uh 69-70 until they folded well they technically didn't fold they merged organizations with the Minnesota and the North Stars um so they actually never made the postseason ever in their eight year existence um oh. the Boston Bruins missed it for eight straight years from the 58-59 season to 67-68 uh, but back it was then, a lot easier to miss the playoffs. I was going to say back then only two teams made it. It was just the yeah. two. You know. Yeah, Montreal and somebody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then so Washington missed it their first eight seasons in the league from 74 82 So Buffalo hasn't made the playoffs since they made it to the uh, – I think it was the second round in 2010-11. That was the last time they made the playoffs. And they've had some quality players up there since then, whether it's Ryan Miller and now with Jack Eichel and Skinner. and guy named Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, a couple of years ago, he said he was tired of losing, and now Jack Eichel's saying he's tired of losing. And yeah. puts it. Doesn't look good for the ownership group, uh, the Pagulas up there. They built a nice rink at Penn State, but it doesn't look good for them in Buffalo. But so that being said, those seven teams have their percentage based on their their record uh, to get the overall first pick. Um, then they'll do a drawing. They'll have a percentage for a ball for a team to be named later. The uh, what eight teams that lose in the qualifying round are those percentage balls. So say the Hawks upset Edmonton and one of those percentage balls hit, hit as the first overall pick, then those teams were like Buffalo, where all the, where they fell, they would stay. So say Detroit got the number two pick Detroit's number two, but one of those percentage balls hit number one, it's between those eight teams to draw for the number one pick. So the Edmonton Oilers or say Pittsburgh loses, Pittsburgh as the five seed could end up with the first overall pick in the oh. 20 draft. Oh, oh. Ow. So it's, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little weird. It's a little new. Um, it might be a little unfair when it's all said and done. Cause I have a sneaky suspicion. Somehow the Hawks might end up with the first overall pick if they get knocked out. So, so what you're saying basically, it's like, when Patrick Ewing went to the Knicks or, you know, that type of stuff, it, it, it's predisposed. Well, I think it was predisposed a couple of years when Edmonton ended up with four straight first overalls also. So, 
Yeah, yeah. Or like the Bulls who get the number seven pick every year no matter what. You know, yeah. <laughs> not quite good enough to be good. <laughs> They're a little bit better than sucky. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's the way that that draft will work. They haven't said when a secondary draft lottery would be. Um, but it's it's kind of has some rules in there, like um, the Ottawa and Detroit, the worst they can both be is two spots behind. Um, so Detroit can't fall past three. Ottawa can't fall past four. But Ottawa technically has – they could end up having – two top three picks if it all falls right because they own San Jose's first overall pick or first round pick this year for the Eric Carlson trade. Um, so Ottawa's sitting on a decent amount of uh, cachet when it comes to the lottery. So it'll be interesting. Um, it adds a weird element and it's kind of unique. I don't know if the jury will be out whether it was good or not until – after you find out who gets that number one pick. But does that kind of explain it for everybody a little better? I like your, I like your conspiracy theory. I hope you're right. Yeah, well, I mean, they, somehow the Hawks jumped, uh, what was it, 12 spots last year. Yeah. So, you know, I think the NHL might have a little bias towards them. But maybe I'm hoping the Blues become that new, the new love of the NHL. With hosting the All Star Game, the Blackhawks are ever the love of the NHL. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be real honest. You know, uh, maybe, it's maybe, the first, maybe the first year they won, I think they were happy to see because they, you know after one of your major cities gets named the worst sports franchise in all the major sports, uh, for them to win is probably a, probably a good thing for your league. Uh, but uh, the way a lot of officials calls have gone for us over the years in critical times. And in different suspensions or lack thereof, uh, you know, you get a guy that basically tried to kill Marion Hosa, and you know, and walks out away from half of it and stuff. I don't think the Hawks are, are the media. Now you gotta tell me the Penguins are the, are the, are the league favorite. I'll buy that one. I mean, I think I think nine outdoor games, nine outdoor games in nine years is. Pretty. Yeah, because they they know if they put the Hawks out there, the other they can go to another city and that team's gonna win. We won one. <laughs> what in a snowstorm. And that was yeah. Pittsburgh, which I'm sure pissed off. Was, yeah, the <laughs> so Yeah. But um let's see. Yeah, so, so thanks for that explanation. Uh, that uh, I'm totally uh, clear on it now. Um, yeah. and so not uh, really yeah <laughs> I mean it is it's very it's 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 tough to see until you see it because like does it mean that there's a per, like is it the overall percentage for the teams that lose or is it percentage for one spot you know what I mean like you don't they yeah. haven't really decided whether they haven't said like is it that those those eight teams have a ten percent chance to win the number one pick? Does that mean there's eight different spots at whatever that percentage you know divided by ten? So 
Yeah, because like in the NBA, uh, you, you, they always have the percentages attached. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, once it happens, maybe it'll 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 be. I don't know if it'll be clearer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll kind of make more sense as, as when all the pieces and parts are in place. You know. Yeah. All the teams have their spots. Yeah, it's just it. You just don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, is it that? the 10% is divided up by eight. So everybody, there's a ball in there for 1.25% or is there a ball in there for 10% that, you know, or 10% of the balls type of thing? You know, I, I don't know. It's they, like I said, that's one thing they didn't really. The fact that they all have a shot at it though is something. Well, I think that that's the way, that's why they call, they're calling this the qualifying round. Cause anybody, normally anybody that misses the playoffs gets that shot they get they get that ability to they get that percentage tied so it wouldn't be fair that technically they extended it to 24 teams and Montreal who is barely 500 doesn't get a shot at the first overall pick they just get seated at the you know eighth the number eight pick no matter what type of thing so I I get it I just wish they would have you know maybe Maybe if one of the first eight teams lost in the in the qualifying round, so or the second eight, four, I guess, so five through five through not eight. If they lost, you don't give them a shot at it because they technically were high enough. They're a top sixteen team type of thing. Um, I don't know, just. There might have been some tweaks, but you never know. This might end up this might end up being such a great playoff and a great system that what if we see this from now on? You you might be some you might see some if it well first off, it's probably gonna draw big ratings. Yeah. Well they they were they're gonna be inflated a little bit because of this year. Yeah. But you know how on these people on sports leagues, they're gonna look at it and say, Hey, listen, everybody liked this. Look at that. You know? Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. stick with it. Well, yeah, you may see some changes, uh, you know, in, in season scheduling. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, NBA and NHL competing with uh, football in the fall. Uh, when when all said and done, um, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe the NBA does. Uh, every year it'll just start its season on Christmas Day. Uh, uh, NHL started, uh, you know, January 1st, uh, you know, with the Winter Classic or something. And, uh, um, uh you know, this this would be interesting to see the effect of, of all this. Well, I know they had been discussing when the new uh, CBA comes up in two years that there's a possibility they might have might have been extending the playoffs to 10 teams because obviously they're adding teams. Back in the day, there was 21 teams and 16 of them still made the playoffs. And now you have 31 and you still have 16 teams making the playoffs. So they were talking about going, you know, 10 aside and adding – two teams to play, you know, obviously eight, eight and 10 or yeah, eight and 10 and, or no, seven and 10 and uh, eight and nine playing to play the number one and two. If, it, if it's a, if it's a regular season, you can still give those top four a bye and you, they don't have to play a round robin because they're, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be ready to go at the end of the season anyway. So that bye gives them two things. It gives them a bye that they've earned. And it gives them a week to ten days off to heal up, 
you know, that's there. And so, and you, you know, it's not like you've missed six months and you got to restart again. Well, so, so I think that, I think the buy would be great. And, you know, for teams that are in the playoffs all the time, I, I mean, the problem that happens, you know, as, as we've seen here in Pittsburgh, you know, had that same problem and, and stuff like that is these guys end up over the course of, you know, 10 years, you make the playoffs all the years and whatever the other crap they may play in and stuff like that, they played 12 seasons in 10 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, that's, that's taking years off a couple of our guys. Yeah, you know, there's no question that they. I'm not sure Pittsburgh hasn't suffered some of the same, some of the same stuff. No, so, Malkin and Crosby miss enough of the regular season sometimes. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah, those guys, they always one of them usually is missing half the season. Yeah, have yeah, 30, 40 yeah, games. I, I think some of that's planned a little bit. Sometimes they do they do take a half a year off. Of it, so. But no, I could I could see this maybe this format is instituted from now on and those top four get a, a week and a half by in five, like five, five through 12 play instead of a best of five play a best of three because you've played 82 games already you know and then the series becomes a best of three or something like that I also wonder if does this lead to maybe not so much in hockey but in basketball for the NBA, does it lead to more of a March Madness type of feel to maybe they pick two locations or three locations no matter what, and they just play the games at those locations, like how they do for regional finals and final fours and stuff? And If, there, if there's fans in the stands, you'll never sell that one. To you. That's, that's the owner's revenue. That's, yeah. But, I mean, if they do revenue sharing, if they do revenue sharing and they can get – 90 to 100,000 people in a football stadium to watch seven straight NBA Finals games. Well, it, it, like I said, it, it'd be interesting if you're, you're here in Chicago, you're going to go see, uh, let's pick somebody out of, out of the blue, you know. Well, the Blues, say the Blues and Flyers and the Blues in Boston again. Well, your marquee matchup teams is not, are not going to be the problem. It's when Carolina is playing Detroit. Well, well Detroit. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if any. I don't know if the NHL. Would Chicago want to see that? I don't no. know. If, I don't know if the NHL would ever go to it, but I think the NBA, because they like to have that national footprint at all times, that could be something they do. Like they hold it at Lucas Oil in Indy, and it's you know. Well, the problem. The problem I have with the NBA is the same. The same one you do is, you know, if you put eight teams in a city. And eight teams in another city, you probably have one in the one city that's, that could possibly survive, and yeah. two in the other city. I mean, it's, you know, you, there are no shocks in the NBA playoffs. Right. No, and that's yeah. that's why that's why I think if they threw it all in, you know, one giant area and had this big NBA fest for three, four weeks. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know who's going to be in the final. I mean, you you might get a surprise that. The number two versus the number three team may be, may be a mild surprise if it's close. But you, you know who your three or four winning team, uh, teams are going to be. It's, yeah. You know, they're, they're so far ahead of everybody else. It, it's, it's, not, it's not competitive. I don't know. Well, Mr. That, the, the, the situation you're talking about are probably going to be dictated by uh, coronavirus. Uh, yeah. I mean, if coronavirus continues, then uh, the uh, the – the idea that uh, Rick presents is 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 something that's conceivable. Um, 
you know, if, if, it, uh, if there's a vaccine, if there's a, 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 a cure, a, a treatment, uh, then yeah, that probably is not going to happen just because as, as Dave points out, the, uh, the revenue uh, stream for the owners, you know, they would never, they would never uh, allow for uh, an NCAA type format or something like that. But, but if coronavirus continues, uh, all of the leagues are going to have to con- uh, figure out something. Well, all bets, all bets are off at that point. Yeah, it, all bets are off. I mean, if it continues yeah. uh, and um, then, then, yeah, then you are talking about these hub cities and, and uh, things like that. Uh, um, but that does present interesting questions and in moving forward uh, because, um, and, you know, we're talking about this year, these seasons, trying to finish these seasons. But then in the future, uh, what happens if the coronavirus? I mean, like in, any, like in any sports, you have teams that own their own stadiums. Their take, you know, of the of the of the pot is much larger than some of the other teams. You know, if you look at Chicago, and, and you look at you look at Ricketts, and you look at Reinsdorf, you know, the state owns the stadium there. So part of the revenue that Reinsdorf brings in, he's got to pay to the state because he's not maintaining the ballpark. I mean, it's you know, it's not it's not his money and stuff like that. So it's more of a split that he has to deal with. Uh, and with Ricketts, it's his ballpark, so all the money's his. But you know, he spent five billion dollars <laughs> redoing the park. So you've got it's more of an all all or nothing for Ricketts than it is for for Reinsdorf. And it, it, you know, it goes throughout the leagues where you've got you know teams that own stadiums. You, you get to the Packers where you know the stockholders own the stadium and so they so I mean, there's so many different scenarios. Where the revenue doesn't get it doesn't get split the same way. So even if you have revenue sharing, you're gonna have some people real pissed off. I know have other people real happy. If you if you don't own your own stadium right now and you're not paying maintenance, and, you know the Bears and Park District owns the stadium and stuff like that. You know if you get a revenue split with somebody else that with that you know owns their own place, you're way ahead. And I'm sure McCaskey's above that. You know, so. <laughs> I don't know, Mr. NBA, what do you think? Do you think, you know, if you pack 100,000 people in a stadium and the two owners that are in the finals split that revenue? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, I don't see it happening. I really don't. I, well, then you, you, you don't have, like, a, a home court advantage either, you know. You're both kind of in a different city that maybe no team has fans in. Obviously, they'll travel – you know, some travel better than others, but uh, yeah, and no, I think Dave hit it on the head with just the, the ownership of the, uh, the actual stadiums themselves and just the, the revenue bringing in like that. So, well, and the, and the you know, for example, the, the, the Super Bowl is is a, a great example of you know, hey, you can bring two teams in neutral site, but um, these other sports, yeah, one game, one game, and it's such it's such an event. Uh, but these other sports, not so much, you know, I mean, and uh, because it's multiple games, it's uh, yeah. And you're, you know, you're a fan base traveling for one game, you know, for, a, you know, the Super Bowl is one thing traveling to a particular location for the NBA finals or the world series or uh, Stanley cup is a, is a, well, we're, we're even assuming any fans are going to be in the stands. <laughs> Um, gotcha. I mean, you look at some, you look at some of the look at some of the FBS games in football in college, and you've got a team you know like, like in Georgia or Auburn who always you know 
they missed the final, beat in the final two by three points or something. You know, Alabama. So they're the number three team in the league, and they go play somewhere, and they're playing somewhere. And you look at the stands, and there's twenty thousand people there. Mm-hmm. You know, and the cameras try not to show you all the upper deck, and there's nobody there. You know, and yeah. if the weather's crappy, you know that you're playing in front of it's you know it's like a minor game at that point. And I, and I think you run that, that, that same risk in the, in the pros, especially for teams that are smaller market teams that don't travel as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many Milwaukee Brewers fans are going to, you know, are, are going to travel to Arizona to watch their, you know, watch their team. That way? If the whole damn city goes, it's still probably not enough, you know? So, yeah. Well, yeah, but I think, I think NHL, I don't think they would. And I don't think MLB, I think would be dumb too really because it, every ballpark is so unique and that's the part of it you know yeah but i was just thinking you know if this if disney world is a huge hit for the nba and the nba loves to have that center spotlight as much as possible is it something they think about like having a big all-star weekend type of thing like every nba final you know like they're a little. I, I think the NBA is unique. Out of all the all the leagues, I think is more unique than the others, because you have such minor transactions. If you got a team that, if you get down to a Final Four, and one of those teams is a little bit more of a long shot, that's there. You might. It might be a really big boost for them because there's going to be people all over. Nobody's going to expect them to win, but right. you know they're going to get a little more exposure uh, and things. It's you know to me, I, I guess it's hard for me because I'm such a non-NBA fan at this point anymore. I, I've lost so much interest because of the non-competitiveness and, you know, some of the other nonsense that's, that's gone on that, you know, I still love basketball and I love March Madness and I love watching all that stuff, but the NBA just doesn't, it doesn't hold my interest at this point. You know, I may turn a game on to see if Steph Curry's going to score 50 points in his game, but if it's just an average game halfway through, I'm, I'm channel surfing at that point looking for something else. You know, the, the one thing to throw into the mix here would be, uh, and, and this would be you know, certainly if no fans, if coronavirus continues, but uh, as Matt mentioned earlier, uh, the, the whole money thing, it comes down to, you know, the, the bottom line. Um, if, if the networks are willing to pay, um, you know, this, this may change the entire landscape of uh, these leagues. Um, you know, uh, and and if they're willing to pay, you know, and and the leagues are willing to, um, and and the way that television contracts work out with a sharing of television revenue, you know, the owners, you think the owners are going to say, oh, our fans, our fans, you're not going to care about, you know, if they're well, getting, we are going to run into a problem. There is the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Yankees, who have their own networks now, and and. You know, the Cubs have yet to cash a check out of that network and stuff like that. But, you know, the plan was for, you know, to recoup a lot of the money they put in because of, you look at what the Dodgers make and, and they give a rat's ass of whether who can sign in and can't. And the Yankees are pretty much the same way. You know, the Yankees being the model of this thing where, you know, they're just stupid rich from, you know, their TV. The Yankees don't care about NBC or ABC or Fox or anybody else. and They don't have to. Yeah, now more regular season though versus playoffs. Yeah, we're kind of we're gearing more towards playoffs. So regular season for sure, you know they have their own networks. But once you get to the playoffs, they're all on the big the big networks there. 
True. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, you know, changes there. But, but again, now during the year, they've made how much more. That's why these teams have invested the money in their networks is, you know, that's, that's what gives you your money to, you know, get by your foreign players and build your miners and all that other kind of stuff is you've got all this cash coming in that other people don't. Yeah. And, and that, so that will be interesting moving forward uh, uh, because yeah, that that's huge for uh, those teams you mentioned. And, uh, but again, depending on where coronavirus goes, if there are no fans in the stands and uh, these uh, local TV contracts, uh, do they really uh, come into play? If not, uh, then I don't know. Then are, is everything renegotiated, uh, or is it ESPN, uh, the national uh, networks, and, um, and and then you're? I mean, just like I said, completely changes the landscape of. Uh, I mean, I mean, the fear has got to be with no fans in the stands. Do you lose? How many fans do you lose over the next five or ten years? Right. So you're at ESPN, and you you're looking for a certain ranking so you can sell your. So your 15 seconds for a million dollars or whatever. No, though. How many fans baseball lost with the last <laughs> stoppage? Before, yeah, before the big last big, before the McGuire Sosa thing that they allowed to go on strictly to build fans. I mean, did they know both of them were juicing this stuff? Absolutely, they know. Yeah, but that was based off the that was based off the strike though. You know where it was kind yeah. of like no, you know, players and owners fighting. This is more out of everybody's control, you know, well, I think the whole coronavirus, I think if, and, and this is why I think the NHL is, is really pushing and it's great to see them, you know, the kind of not being a top sport with hockey, baseball and basketball, but maybe kind of right there with basketball, but, you know, a little bit below, but if they can come back first, they're going to have, I mean, they're, they're going to break records with records that'll never be broken just because of all the people that want to watch live hockey. And, and with, that viewership and everybody kind of being quarantined to their own house, you're going to have ratings are going to be so high. You're going to have so many viewers watching this game. Yeah. I would think revenue from these TV companies are, are going to have to go back into the, the pockets of the owners of the team, you know? So I don't know if it's going to be an equal way off or for having, you know, actual fans in the stadiums, but. I think you're dead right on that one. And I think it works better for the hockey right now because they've made it work. Yeah. But when you, you talked about you know, baseball. Last time it was a strike. Think of the comments that, like, the ones that Scherzer's made. I, I, I'm not playing for half of that. Right. So you've got 25% of the country unemployed, and you got a guy that says, I'm, I'm not playing for 18 million. That's not enough money. Yeah. Okay. Boy, talk you about being out of touch. Fans? Oh, uh, oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't put food on your table, and you got a guy that can't, he can't make ends meet on 18 million a year. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I think foot, I think baseball is shooting themselves in the foot right now. Yeah. Both the owners and the players. They, 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 neither one is exactly stellar here. No, no, they're both losers at this point. I mean, they yeah, both really – it's just uh, incredible uh, how out of touch they are. And just, you know, get in a room, figure it out, and, uh, you know, get out there and, and play. Uh, get, a, get a plan anyway and, and try to play. You got a guy like Steve Trout who's made those stupid, same stupid statements. You got a guy that may be the best player in baseball, it's a, but a lot of people don't know him because they don't see him on the West Coast. And now they're, what's their impression of him? He's a greedy bastard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, it's not going to help him any. Or the league. I mean, that's, 
Yeah, that, that's a problem. I mean, you know, it's it's not going to be your guys. I mean, you look at the White Sox team. You got guys that just want to play at this point because of their age. Yeah. You know, every every team's got a few guys that are right there to make the major league roster and you know move from you know riding buses in the minors to you know making a salary. They want to go out and play. And so, right. so it, they don't care what Mike Trout say at this well, point. Well, one one of the really sad things is. Um, uh, you know, the, beyond those guys on the cusp um, are, are the minor league players. I mean, you know, their seasons are done. And, you know, they, I mean, these guys are making uh, hundreds of dollars a week anyway. You know, they're not making anything. Uh, I mean, their seasons are done. And, um, you know, uh, here are guys with, uh, you know, guys with dreams of, you know, most of them obviously aren't going to make the major leagues. But, um uh, you know that's that's uh, that's kind of a sad part of this. I mean, because these 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 are folks who, uh, you know, they probably don't have much to fall back on. And what are they going to do? You know, the Cubs just cut a bunch of players today. Long, a number of other teams did, and some of the other teams that didn't cut players have announced instead of twelve teams next year, the minors are going to have six. Mm-hmm. So you may have your paycheck today, but you know next year there's going to be half the amount of minor league players, and that's like you said, that's it's really sad. Yeah, especially for the late bloomers or, you know, guys that go back and give it one last shot, you know, type of thing, and that were yeah. really close. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, uh, also uh, for those towns. You know, I mean, uh, again, I mean, most of those most of those players are not going to make it to the major leagues, uh, but um, you know, for them and then the, the the cities where they have these uh, teams, which in those cities, I mean, that's a big deal. Um, you know, well, I mean, you know, there's nothing more fun than going to a King County Cougars game. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I've seen a lot of really good ball players that end up being all stars in the major leagues come through King County, and they belong to a couple different teams. Mm-hmm. You know, the Cubs in Baltimore, and I, I, somebody else was in there also. But you know, some all stars that, that came out of that you you remember when they were there, and boy, they were really good in the minors. I mean, I saw Prince Fielder hit a home run there one time. I still don't think he's landed. Uh, and stuff. So you watch that kind of stuff, and, and it's kind of fun. And there's going to be a lot less of that. Yep. So, All right. I think that about wraps up this episode. All right, guys. We'll talk next week. Take care. Good. Good talking, See you. Good. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Sports Divided Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram.